Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! about some memories, some national caliber volleyball, some rivalry hockey, some free ring wings, excuse me, also rings maybe, <laughs> and a whole bunch of FCS playoff talk. Welcome in. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX by Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuanas coming to you live through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Missoula Broadcasting, locally owned and operated for more than 15 years. And happy to say so. We got all sorts of stuff for you today. First of all, it's a Wednesday. That means it's a Wing It Wednesday. We have a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill for you coming up. So keep tuned for that. We'll uh, be prompting you about 445 for your opportunity to win a basket of the best wings in the city of Missoula. Best wings I've had in the state of Montana, to be completely honest. So that's coming up. We also have some tickets to Friday night's football game. The Grizz hosting Furman. This is a matchup of the number two team and the number seven team in the FCS and a bid in the final four on the line uh, for both these squads. So we got a couple pairs of tickets for you for that. We also have some tickets to TJ Miller. TJ Miller is a a comedian. Uh, You're probably most familiar with him from, he's on Comedy Central. He's also, uh, he was in the show Silicon Valley. He's coming to Missoula, so we got some tickets for that uh, as well. So stay tuned for all those things when I tell you. 406-888-1029 is the number you want to call. That's 888-1029. We're going to talk to Sam Herter, Hero Sports, all things FCS playoffs here off the top. We're also going to hear from Matt Houck. He's the head coach of the Montana State Volleyball Team. 
about two and a half hours, they will play in the Great Eight of the National Invitational Volleyball Championship Tournament. Montana State's in Wyoming, so they're taking on the uh, Cowgirls there in Laramie. These two teams started their season with an exhibition match. It went five sets. So uh, they were competitive then, and uh, I mean it's, it's, it's just kind of cool. This Invitational is like the NIT, basically, of college volleyball. So if you don't make it to the big dance, okay, but then they have the next 32 teams, basically. So it is. It's a prominent tournament, and advancing in this tournament is impressive, and uh, the fact that the Bobcats have won a couple games is uh, noteworthy, to be sure. We're also going to hear from Mike Anderson, Grizz hockey coach. They got a home and away against Montana State this weekend. So uh, rivalry to end the first half of the schedule. Then they'll take a break. Then they'll be back at it in January. So we'll get uh, some insight from Mike Anderson, the head coach of the Grizz hockey team. We're also expecting uh, a call from a former Grizz quarterback who also happens to be the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach at Furman, Justin Roper, who spent a couple years at the University of Montana, former Oregon transfer, played for the Grizz 09, 10, and 2011. He's been there at Furman for a couple of years now, and he's risen through the ranks pretty rapidly as a coach. So uh, excited to talk to Coach Roper. He's going to call in after the Paladins wrap-up practice. And uh, then we also have uh, an excerpt from our Grizz Greats podcast series. The last time Montana and Furman played was back in 2001. It was for the national championship. The Grizz famously won 13-6. That was the last time the Grizz have won a national championship John Edwards, the quarterback of that Grizz football team, he was one of our subjects on our uh, 20th anniversary podcast series about the 2001 Grizz. So we have an excerpt of that conversation. We actually put that podcast series out in 2021, so a couple years ago. If you want to check out any of those episodes, they're all up there. Grizz Greats, the 20th anniversary of the 2001 National Champions is what you search for. If you just search Grizz Greats 2001, it'll get you there. So go check out all those episodes if you want to hear some uh, historical renditions of what was a, a great Grizz season, of course, from some of the great figures in Grizz football history. We have episodes with Johnny Edwards, uh, which we'll play an excerpt of that for you. Vince Hunsberger, uh, Libby Montana's finest, who's also uh, an All-American safety for the Grizz. Friend of the show at All-American Offensive Tackle, Dylan McFarlane. All-American wide receiver, Atu Molden. All-American running back, Johanse Humphrey. And, of course, uh, Cowboy Joe, Joe Glenn, the... Uh, the head coach there of Montana when they won their last national championship. So go check out Grizz Greats, the 20th anniversary. And we'll play an excerpt of the John Edwards episode a little bit later on. So there you go. That's your show outlook. One other note, the playlist today, because the last time the Grizz and Furman played was in 2001, we're taking it back to 2001. Number one hits from 2001. We did this when the Grizz played Delaware. We did number one hits from 1993. I was amazed by how many like slow jam R&B songs there were that were top hits in 1993. A, a lot of R&B and funk flavor uh, coming up on today's playlist as well. I got some Lenny Kravitz, some Janet Jackson, some Shaggy, some Alicia Keys, and some Mary J. Blige. So uh, that'll be fun. Maybe we'll wind some trivia into that uh, as well so we can get you those free Grizz tickets, the free T.J. Miller Comedy Show tickets, and uh, some free wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. We go now to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in. Great friend of the show and the main man there at Herosports.com. It's Sam Herter of Hero Sports and Bet MGM. Sam, thanks for taking a minute, man. How you doing? How you living? Doing good. Excited for what should be a fun weekend. Got some good quarterfinal games uh, to watch this weekend. So it should, it should be pretty fun. 
Well, you can't. It's gonna be hard to top the the uh, the shock value and the and the uh, thrilling nature of some of the games from last weekend. There was a couple that were uh, pretty non competitive. I mean, as as we both agreed upon, South Dakota State cruising past Mercer. Uh, was not really competitive. The South Dakota Sac State game was okay, but uh, yeah, South Dakota was pretty much in, in control uh, for the duration of that game. Montana made short work of Delaware. They really dominated in that game as well. Uh, but it came all the way down the wire and then some in Bozeman. It came all the way down the wire and then some in Idaho. So, I mean, just take us through your perspective on uh, those specific two games as North Dakota State and uh, the University of Idaho both move on. Yeah, I mean, those were uh, electric games, and that's what, you know, the FCS playoffs is all about. And I've, I've certainly been critical of, you know, kind of the, uh, the, the top heaviness of the FCS and some teams you know, moving up and also the structure of the FCS playoffs and, uh, and, and all that. Uh, but, you know, the, uh, the games uh, in, in Bozeman uh, and then the game in, uh, in Moscow as well, I mean, those were kind of peak FCS playoffs. And when we talk about what's, what's great about the FCS, we usually point to, uh, those type of games that, that happened at Idaho and Montana State. And, you know, two power conferences, uh, you know, both games went into overtime. Both games involved a block kick of some kind, just absolutely uh, electric atmospheres. And, I mean, I, you could point to multiple scenarios in multiple situations where if, if one thing, one of those things goes Montana State's way, you know, they win that game. If one thing goes SIU's way, uh, you know, maybe the Slukies win that game instead of Idaho and, you know, I, I swear I tweeted out Game of Inches like 10 times on Saturday just because there were so many of, of those type of plays in those two matchups. Well, the other two matchups, I didn't get that much of a chance to watch because I was driving over to Bozeman, and I, I had the, the Sac State uh, game streaming on my car so I could just listen to it, but I, I, I didn't watch much of uh, Villanova's win um, or uh, Albany's win. So just take us through those two. How did uh, both those squads uh, advance? They both did it with relative ease. Yeah, U Albany looked. Uh, or both teams looked really good, but U Albany was uh, kind of jumped all over uh, Richmond and got a pretty decisive uh, win there. The, the Villanova Villanova over Youngstown State win. It didn't look. You know, final score was forty five twenty eight. So it doesn't look you know too bad of a loss. But it was. I think Youngstown State scored, you know, two touchdowns, you know, late in the fourth quarter. And so it was a, uh, an even bigger blowout for that, for Villanova. And, um, you know, I, Youngstown State, for most of this season, has had a really tough, stout front seven. And I don't know what happened, but Villanova ran over all over them with pretty good ease. And, you know, there were some plays where Youngstown State just did not have good eyes and their, their DN came crashing down on some read options. And Connor Watkins, the Villanova quarterback, you know, tucked it and went around the corner, got to the edge with relative ease and got some chunk yardage. And so it was just a... A uh, pretty poor game, poorly played game by Youngstown State, but obviously get Villanova credit there. They, they really took it to the Penguins. Sam Herter, Hero Sports, joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. It was uh, it was fun sort of digging in on South Dakota. These last couple of weeks I've been uh, researching them a little bit more and, and following them a little bit more, and uh, you can tell they definitely have a defined identity Watching slash listening to that Sac State game, they do a good job controlling things because, like you've mentioned all year, they have a great defense, and then they are able to accentuate that by really controlling the ball on offense. Uh, so, I mean, just break down the Yotes for us. I mean, I, I know that we've been sort of tenuous, respect to them for sure, but maybe not calling them one of the true contenders. Where are we at now that we head into the, the round of eight? 
Yeah, I think that win over Sac State was USD's most complete game of the season. You know, Sac State, you know, they, they picked up some some passing yardage and, and chunk yardage and, you know, scored scored late there. Uh, Carson Camp came in, the former South Dakota quarterback. He, he came in, I mean, you know, kind of led Sac State on, on a bit of a comeback. The game was, you know, never really in reach, but, you know, Sac State made it a respect, uh, respectable final score, but South Dakota was in control of this uh, the whole way. You know, defensively, they've been sharp all season. Then, uh, offensively, they've been a bit up and down. Uh, you know, they've had some explosive moments. They've had other games where uh, they just couldn't get anything going offensively, but uh, you know, I think their offensive line is good. You know, they have a couple of really good quarter uh, running backs. Uh, then their quarterback, Ian Bauman, uh, he's a Iowa State transfer, I believe, from a couple of years ago. I mean, big six foot five left-handed quarterback. He can he can sling it, and he's efficient with it as well. So it's a it's a well-built football team that can run the ball, uh, they can throw the ball, they they placed out defense, they don't give up a whole lot of explosive plays, and. You know, they only have two losses this year. One of them is to South Dakota State, and the other one is to a Power 5 opponent. And even though, you know, a lot of people have doubted them this year, they just keep on winning. And, you know, the, the sports books believe that the Bison are going to win this weekend. And, you know, a lot of, you know, FCS followers, including me, believe the Bison are going to win this weekend. But, you know, USD continues to prove people wrong, and we'll see if they can do that once again. Well, what sort of momentum do you think North Dakota State takes it after the way that they won? And, and compare and contrast that to what now Montana State faces going into this offseason. I mean, to me, we knew that was going to be a big game. We thought that was the biggest game of the second round, and it completely lived up to the billing. What's the uh, what's the fallout on both sides of this thing after uh, NDSU's walk-off extra point block? Yeah, and we, we talked about some of this last week about just the – uh, the off-season narratives uh, about the uh, about the loser of this game, and you know the difference between la- uh, last weekend's result was you know a difference between losing in the second round and potentially making it to the semifinals. And you now we talked a lot about the narratives around the team, but I, I don't think we necessarily touched on the transfer portal, and that didn't really pop into my mind, you know, until just now because I think if you know Montana State is still playing, you know, they they aren't losing, you know, some of the guys uh, that they some standouts to the transfer portal now. Some of these guys may have left in, you know, January or later in December anyways, but, you know, when you're not playing, it makes it a little easier uh, to, to transfer. And uh, to transfer. And on the flip side, I mean, there's reports out there, uh, legit reports, that NDSU has at least three guys with Power 5 offers uh, right now to enter the transfer portal with six-figure deals. This was this was the talk in the press box on at Bozeman. Uh, several of the NDSU media guys were, were referencing this and, and talking about it. So this is certainly... Uh, a conversation that's being had a, a, a lot of places. Yep, uh, and one of those guys, again, we don't know specific names, of one, but one of those guys reportedly has a $250,000 offer, uh, NIL offer, to, to enter the transfer portal. And if the Bison would have lost that game, I think they would have lost, you know, two key guys uh, on the defensive side, maybe would have lost one or both of their quarterbacks. But because NDSU was still playing, there was fear, you know, on Sunday and Monday that some of these guys were still going to leave the team and enter the transfer portal. Uh, but the NIL collective for NDSU kind of had a uh, you know a rallying moment, uh, a rallying meeting in, in uh, on Sunday. I think they raised some funds to at least steady the storm right now and hold on to these guys. Uh, now some of them again still might end up leaving by the time the season is, is done. But you know you know going back to it, if, if NDSU would have lost, uh, I think several of these guys would be gone now. But since they're still playing, you know they're still around and maybe the Bison can hang on to these guys. And so just the you know the, the repercussions and. Uh, of that win and loss for NDSU and Montana State are just, you know, so so massive. Six now total Bobcats in the transfer portal. The big news earlier this week was Rush Reimer, an All-American offensive lineman, and Omar Abedian, who's an All-Conference offensive lineman, both entered the portal. 
And then today, right before the show, breaking news, Sebastian Valdez is a two-time All-Big Sky defensive tackle and uh, an All-American as a sophomore two years ago. He is also into the portal. My sources say that he's actually been in the portal for a little while and that he was only going to explore uh, a couple different options, but then uh, there was not, it wasn't expected that he would make it public, and then he did. So now it is public, so now he will certainly field uh, plenty of offers. On that note, Sam... I think that there's some gray area here. I think a lot of folks don't understand the the details of all of this. So the reasons that there's a bunch of portal entries, and you just mentioned it, teams that are still playing, it's probably less likely that they'll have guys enter because they're still playing. But the the open period started on Monday, and and that's specifically for guys that want to transfer into the FBS. So the FBS transfer portal – I guess that's also guys that are in the FBS that want to stay in the FBS. But your deadline to to be an FBS transfer uh, is sometime within this month. It started on Monday, and then it'll it'll end later on this month. What do you think of that, especially from an FCS perspective? Just the fact that, that this is going while you know eight teams still in the, in the postseason are still playing. Yeah, I mean it's tough, and you know it's not unique to the FCS because there's some. Um, you know, there, there's some guys that are, you know, playing in the college football playoff or, or playing in, you know, major bowl games that have also entered the transfer portal. And so um, it's not just a unique to the FCS, but it is, you know, timing wise is just not ideal. And I think, you know, back when the early signing day period, um, I can't even remember when that's when that started, where the, the early signing day period uh, took into effect, you know, a, a small handful of years ago. I think a lot of coaches liked it at the time because, you know, they could, if a guy wants to commit and sign with their team, let's not wait until February. Let's, let's have an early signing day period in December and, you know, to get, get these guys on, on board. Uh, well, the repercussions of that now is, you know, the transfer portal, um, where if you're going to transfer and you want to go somewhere, you kind of need to, you can't really wait, I guess, because, you know, the, the portal window ends uh, at, at the end of this month or early January. Like I said, the, the, the early signing day period. Um, is, is later on uh, this month. And so if you want to take your chances at the FBS um, or even just explore your options elsewhere, no matter where it's at, you kind of need to enter now. And the same thing with, uh, you know, coaching changes. Um, you know, it's hard for, you know, FCS head coaches or FBS coaches, assistant coaches, coordinators, whatever. You know, right now it's kind of a silly season with coaching changes. And well, with the early signing day, um, you know, sometimes guys have to leave their team early uh, as far as coaches, even if they're still playing because they need to get to their new team. And so um, there's a lot of reasons for this, whether it's, you know, the, the transfer waivers and all that. But I also think the early signing period uh, has really uh, accelerated these transfers and these coaching changes. Sam Herter, Hero Sports here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Uh, and we've had some national TV games last week, and now we'll have a couple more uh, this week, the Grizz game Friday night between Montana and Furman will be on ESPN2. Villanova and South Dakota State will be on ESPN on Saturday. And uh, the big one, North Dakota State at South Dakota, they'll be on network TV. They'll be on ABC. So that's pretty cool for a quarterfinal game. Uh, how did the, the TV stuff go last week, Sam? I know you had some tweets on it. What were the numbers like? Yeah, so only one game was on national television uh, last week. The rest were on ESPN+. Plus and I, I've I've efforted trying to get some ES, uh, ESPN Plus numbers, uh, but to no go. Uh, ESPN does not uh, make those available. But the the one game on linear television, ESPN two, a uh, late game that was Southern Illinois uh, going to Idaho, that only got 132,000 uh, viewers. Uh, you compare that to 
um, one of the, the Idaho home games. I can't remember if it was Montana or uh, Montana State. That was on ESPN2. That was around 350,000 viewers. And so, you know, the 132K for last week's second-round game isn't, isn't a very good number. Uh, but, you know, I think we'll see a, a really good uh, viewership uh, this week in the, in the quarterfinals. It, it obviously helps where it's a pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty quiet on the FBS front uh, as far as games. But when you, get a, when you can get a game on ESPN, especially when you can get a game on ABC, uh, you're going to get, you know, one to two million viewers. Uh, I know last year in the quarterfinals, the 11 a.m. Central time game, on ESPN, that was between Holy Cross and South Dakota State. That got one and a half million viewers. Uh, so I expect, you know, the Villanova at South Dakota State game on Saturday morning, that'll get around one and a half million viewers. ABC usually naturally draws more eyeballs. And so the NDSU South Dakota game on ABC, that could possibly get close to two million viewers. Um, and then usually the Friday night games on ESPN2, uh, you know, that's obviously between Furman and Montana. Past numbers are around, you know, half a million viewers and so i think overall the combined games here we, we could get you know a few million viewers between these games well that'd be very cool so let's break down then these matchups as we mentioned that's when the tv slots are but uh number seven Furman at number two montana's on friday then number eight villanova uh at number one south dakota state on saturday as is north dakota state at number three south dakota and you uh, albany at number four idaho so let's go in reverse order because i'm very intrigued by this U Albany team researching them a little bit. We're uh, taking the crew over to Moscow, uh, the Skyline crew on Saturday, so uh, we'll get a live look at them. I remember when they played in the playoffs in Bozeman a couple of years back, and, and you could definitely see they had some makings of some stuff where they could they, they could really become a viable football program. And now they have. I know we've talked about it a lot this year, Sam. They have a great quarterback, but I we go through the numbers and talking to Jason Eck. I'm struck by their defense, especially their defensive line. And they got a young man who's a finalist for the Buck Buchanan Award. So uh, what do you think of this matchup? How much of an issue is Albany's defense going to be for uh, Idaho and their offense? Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, an issue for, for the Vandals. You know, a, a, a young, underdeveloped offensive line for uh, for Idaho. And, you know, on, on Sunday I kind of tweeted out my early predictions and I said I was kind of leaning U Albany and you know I had a an Idaho fan say you know that's that might be a that might come back to bite you you know that pick might be wrong because you know Idaho I understand my team got you know struggled with Southern Illinois front seven but we got past them and U Albany's front seven is is not nearly as good as Southern Illinois and I kind of rained on that person's parade and said well I actually think U Albany's front seven is just as good if not better than SIU's uh, front seven I mean their their defensive line gets after it they got a couple of defensive linemen who have. Uh, you know, close to 20 TFLs uh, piece. Uh, Dylan Kelly, that linebacker, Buck Buchanan Award, uh, a top three finalist. He has 140-some tackles uh, already. And so, um, you know, their, their front seven and their defense overall uh, is really legit. And they're going to, you know, do their best to get after a, a night of whole offensive line that, you know, still has a ways to go, in my opinion. South Dakota, number three in the country, but a almost touchdown favorite against North Dakota State. At least it was last time. It looked six and a half point favor or uh, dogs for South Dakota home dogs. NDSU six and a half point favorites there. Th- this NDSU team has been so fascinating to me, Sam. Because at one point we were talking about how all of a sudden nobody was talking about them because South Dakota State had sort of affirmed or I guess ascended to their spot atop the throne, and then. There was a couple losses when everybody's freaking out. What's going on? Is Matt Ants on the hot seat? You know, what's going on? It's worst season in forever for NDSU. And now they've won 
uh, a handful of games in a row, and they just won in thrilling fashion on the road, which is something they had not done during this unbelievable run that they've had. So uh, how much momentum does NDSU take into the the South Dakota Dome, and uh, what do we think of just this matchup with, with USD? Yeah, I mean, the you know, eventually, you know, playing a bunch of road games, uh, especially in the playoffs, is going to come back to – uh, uh, going to come back to bite you, and it might not happen this weekend for NDSU. It potentially could happen next weekend. You know, in Missoula, if that semifinal matchup uh, does happen. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Bison are, uh, you know, they have so much momentum uh, right now. Uh, they're playing hot right now. They're peaking uh, at the at the right moment. Um, I do think the Bison are going to win, but I do think it's going to be a battle. Um, you know, offensively, uh, you know, I think NDSU can have some success, but some of those chunk yardage runs that they found against Montana State. Uh, USD is likely not going to allow those 75-yard touchdown runs. Uh, South Dakota is really stingy um, on defense. And then offensively, I think the Yotes, they do some things that can give NDSU's defense trouble. And, you know, I know, you know, Montana State fans, that was a uh, gut-wrenching loss. And, you know, the, the, the memories of the of the block PAT and all that, you know, that probably sticks out more than, the, than you know, maybe what happened elsewhere uh, in that game. But I think Montana State fans, while they were watching that game on Saturday. We're probably thinking this Bison defense is not very good right now. Um, and uh, that's kind of been the case, you know, all season for the Bison. They've been okay on defense, sometimes pretty good. Um, sometimes they have some flash plays, tackles for loss and sacks. But overall, they are certainly a gettable uh, defense. And Montana State found some success uh, against them, you know, lightening up the box a little bit and running up the middle. And that's kind of what South Dakota does uh, as well. They, they spread you out, but they do have a power running game, and I think that can give NDSU trouble. Uh, so I, I do think it's a tough matchup for the Bison. It is on the road, a second straight road game for the Bison. But just with how they're playing right now, uh, they, they, know this, they know this moment very well, obviously, um, and it's going to be tough to pick against them. Villanova at South Dakota State. Obviously, uh, Jack's going to be a huge favorite in that one. Uh, it, what, if anything, could the Wildcats do to make some hay there in Brookings? Yeah, they're going to have to pop some big plays. You know, I think physically Villanova is, you know, I, I don't think physically they can go toe-to-toe with South Dakota State. I don't know if anyone can go toe-to-toe with South Dakota State, um, you know, in the trenches when it comes down uh, to it. But, uh, you know, I think Villanova will match up much better with South Dakota State than Mercer did. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, South Dakota State is the number one team for a reason. I think they'll probably flex their, mus- uh, their muscle in this one, but it won't be – it won't be quite as easy as, as their win against Mercer this last weekend. And then finally, the one in Missoula on Friday night. It, it seems like the Grizz have reached a point in terms of the momentum within their season that all oh, the details of the matchup are secondary. to It just comes down to can you figure out a way to derail the freight train that has been the Grizz over the last six or seven weeks? Can you handle coming into you know, the belly of the beast. Last week, I mean, the Grizz turned the ball over and they, they had sort of a slow start. And then the second half was a complete slog and they still won by 30 points. So you can just, I mean, you can just see all the different ways that they can beat you. And I, I just don't think that they're not going to show up. I think they'll obviously show up. They'll obviously plant their hairs on fire. And I do think that, uh, you know, the coaching staff is going to be an advantage for them until it's not anymore. I mean, but I'd really think that they have a, a coaching staff advantage across the board right now. Um, so where are we at with this one? I mean, is there any chance for the Paladins to come into Missoula and bring an upset? Yeah, it's going to be a, quite the challenge for uh, Furman uh, to do that. It, it's a short week uh, for them, you know, obviously traveling across the country, a colder climate game, of course. 
Uh, now, I, I will say that, you know, Furman is, I, I guess I don't know if I, sh- I should say they're, they're built well to play in Montana, but they're, they're much better built compared to a team like Sanford or a team sure. like Western Carolina out of the SoCon. You know, they're not, you know, Tyler Huff, his passing numbers are not going to wow you or anything like that. They do want to establish their run. Uh, they have a, a six or a, I think he's six foot, 230 pound running back. Um, that, so they want to establish their run. Uh, they play really good defense. They're really good against the run. And so they are, um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be um, too impacted, you know, by the cold, because I think just style of play, it's not going to impact the style of play, but I think just a good on good, you know, Montana is, is certainly favored here by, by a couple of scores. And, um, you know, you add in the, the home environment uh, as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see how, how the, the refs handle that crowd noise as well uh, on top of Furman uh, because, you know, I don't, I don't know if Furman has played in an atmosphere uh, like this. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be tough sledding for Furman to go in there and get a win. He's Sam Herter. You can find all his stuff, HeroSports.com. You can also follow him on Twitter and other social medias for the best national coverage of the FCS. You'll find anywhere. You can also hear him each Wednesday here uh, on Nuanas Now. Sam, so appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. We'll talk to you next week. All righty. Sounds good. Thank you. Well, it's now ESPN Radio. There's one fall sport team in the state of Montana other than the Montana Grizz football team that is still playing. We'll check in with their head coach, MSU Volleyball, Matt Hoke, next. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm, when it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, we handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Number one songs from 2001. That's the last time the Grizz and Furman played. It's also the last time the Grizz won the national championship. Who sings that song? Text us, 406-888-1029. That'll enter you in to win some Grizz football tickets, 406-888-1029. Who is singing the song we just came back to? Montana State Minute continues here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television, or maybe you're streaming on the ESPN MT app. Appreciate you for tuning in, no matter how you're listening in here today. We've been doing football Montana State Minutes for a long time, but the Bobcats lost in heartbreaking fashion on Saturday, so we'll uh, delay the football for a little while. But there's a Bobcat fall sports team still playing. It's the Montana State volleyball team. They had one of the great seasons in program history, went all the way to the Big Sky Conference Championship game, lost a heartbreaker to Weber State. But they got an invite to another national tournament, and they won a game in it already. So we're joined by Matt Houck, the head coach of the MSU volleyball team. Thanks for joining us, Coach. How you doing? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, first of all, just take us through uh, your guys' season uh, up to the Big Sky Tournament. It seemed like the Big Sky was very competitive. I know there was uh, a lot of back and forth, but you guys seemed to get hot at the right time, get a three seed, and then then get uh, into the championship match in the tournament. So just take us through the regular season, especially the way that you guys surged down the stretch. I think you won your last five matches going into the Big Sky Tournament. So what was the key to, to just getting hot and playing so well down the stretch? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. First of all, it was it was a really solid season. I thought by us, um, you know, every season brings its inevitable, you know, ups and downs, and uh, yeah, ebbs and flows to it. You know, when you play thirty plus matches, you're going to have some moments where maybe you're not at your best, and uh, but you hope you have lots of them where you're you're pretty consistent. And I think that was a big key to how we we finished the season. Is I think this team committed to the the like the opportunity to get a little bit better every single week. You know, they never got complacent with where they were at. And so, you know, the hope was could we be the best version of ourselves going into the home stretch? And um because they were they were willing to embrace being uncomfortable, which it's pretty uncomfortable to try to get better every week. Um, I think that allowed us to finally land in a position where we could play our most consistent style of volleyball you know, heading into, yeah, those last, you know, five, six matches and put ourselves in a position to, you know, to compete for a regular season title. The cool thing is, like, you know, winning the conference outright came down to the last weekend and we took care of the things that we could take care of. But unfortunately, you know, we, we left it into the hands of having to hope for someone else to, to beat Sac State and that just didn't happen for us. So we ended up finishing, you know, tied for second going into the conference tournament. Well, then going into the conference tournament, I mean, one thing that I think is so neat about volleyball is you get to play a bunch of these non-conference tournaments, you know, in the pre-conference stuff. And, you know, you guys played, uh, you hosted a tournament with Oregon State and North Dakota and Kennesaw State that you played in the St. Thomas Invite and the Nevada Invitational as well. So, I mean, being able to dabble in tournament play and play in tournament play, how much does that help you then when you get to the, the postseason versions of the tournaments? Yeah, I think it helps. You know, it teaches your team a little bit about having to do it on back-to-back nights. Um, it also gives you a chance to, you know, see some different levels of teams and, and test yourself against different styles of play. Um, and so I think all that stuff is, is really important and impactful to the growth of your program. And, um, yeah, luckily we got to kick it off right away with some pretty good teams in Oregon State and Kennesaw State and, you know, and then test ourselves along the way. And I, I thought we were pretty prepared to take on what the conference season was going to be for us. Matt Houck joining us here on Nuanas Now. He's the head coach of the Montana State Volleyball Team. They are still alive, playing in the National Invitational Volleyball Championship Tournament. So then you get to the championship match at the Big Sky Tournament, Matt, and, and you play Weber State, and what a what an unbelievable match. I mean, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then it, it, you're basically two points away from winning it, but then Weber gets the last couple. So, I mean, take us through the roller coaster of emotions that match was. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, first of all, it was, it was really cool to be a part of, you know, um, the hope is right. That you help your team get to a place where they have a chance to accomplish the thing that they're hoping to accomplish. You know, there's no guarantees in this thing. Right. And so we'd be silly to ever say like, Hey, if you do these things, you're going to get this outcome. But I think a lot of times it's, if you do these things, you give yourself a chance to possibly get this outcome. And so here we are in this championship match. And we're battling against a really good team. Weber is really solid. They had a, you know, uh, again a fifth-year senior who uh, has been one of the best players in this league for her whole time in it, and she was having a good night. And our team was having a pretty good night too. And 
they forced us into some things and we forced them into some, some tough situations. And yeah, we're in set five with a, a chance to win it. And it was, it was back and forth and yeah, you're staring it down and you need to make a couple plays and it just, yeah, we didn't in the moment or we could say that they did as well. You know, it comes down to both those things. It always depends on what side of uh, the line you're standing on and how you want to define it. But obviously here we are, we, we would have liked to have made a couple different plays down the stretch. Um, but Weaver put some pressure on us and we weren't able to, you know, execute in those moments. But then you get new life. So first of all, just take me uh, through just what it was. I mean, first of all, how do you go about getting a bid to this National Invitational Volleyball Championship? And, and what was it like knowing that you were still going to be playing? Yeah, I mean, first of all, to get a bid, you have to have a good body of work throughout the season. And, you know, we did that, you know, 20-plus wins and, uh, you know, finishing tied for second in the Big Sky, in a, in a Big Sky conference that was very competitive this year. Um, and so, you know, as we were getting into the stretch of the season, the NIVC reached out to us and said that, hey, we were a team that was in contention. You know, should we not get the automatic bid for our conference? We were a team that they were going to look at. And uh, we felt, you know, with our body work and especially the way that we finished the season, that we were going to, again, have a, have a chance. You know, we, we felt like we were going to force them to really consider us. And, uh, yeah, it comes down to, you know, Sunday night after that conference tournament and you're sitting in a room together waiting to see if, you know, they're going to call your name. And it was a pretty cool moment. You know, this program has never played in the postseason before. And so it was, you know, a series of first things that this program accomplished this year. And that was just another one. So it was a pretty cool moment to sit there and wait and, you know, wait and see if your name was going to be called and it got called. And yeah, we felt a ton of excitement and, you know, it's a nice thing when you lose a heartbreaker and then you get this kind of new life, a chance to go out and see if you can't, you know, do some exciting things um, after getting your heart broken a little bit. And um, I think that's a testament to where this program has gotten to this year that we were able to rebound also, you know, to take a little bit of, you know, the hurt and now, you know, maybe refuel that into something to, to go forward and see if you can't make a run in postseason play. Just a broad question, just about elevating the program, because you know I've covered Montana State Athletics for 14 years now. When I was first at the Bozeman Chronicle, Montana State volleyball, the only time we ever really wrote about them was when they were setting records for their like conference losing streaks. And you guys have got this thing <laughs> completely turned around. You got 23 wins already this year. So how have you done it? I mean, what has given you the confidence to to rise this program up to a, a Big Sky Conference championship caliber level? And uh, you know what's giving you the faith? How have you guys been able to build it up like you have? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it starts with President Cruzado and it starts with Leon Costello and, um, you know, the, the direction they're just taking this, this university in, you know, the, the growth that, that we've seen here and uh, the support that they've put into this. Uh, when I was interviewing for this position, I was, you know, quite confident that Montana State volleyball could be something better than it had been. And I thought there was some real evidence um, based on how some of the other athletic programs were doing since Leon had gotten here um, to make me believe that the support and the infrastructure was in place and that we just needed to maybe infuse, um, I don't know, some excitement into this thing. You know, I thought we needed to improve technically and we needed to grow in our competitive maturity. And I, I thought those were things that um, I had been a part of in my past in other programs and I thought I could, you know, uh, you know, between me and my staff, that, that we could really help this program do pretty quickly because I thought there was some talent here. Um, when we were looking at the film when we were interviewing, I, I really believed that there were some athletes that were quite good volleyball players that just needed maybe a little new direction. And uh, 
So I, I came into this thing feeling quite confident that we could do the things that uh, we believed we could do. And luckily, uh, my past has given me the opportunity to coach volleyball at a pretty high level and see, uh, you know, what winning at the highest of levels can, can look like and what it takes. And so we just brought that thing with us. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it, it's, it's the athletes. It's the athletes that, that committed to change, that committed to the process, and, um, yeah, I guess committed to this idea that, hey, we're going to get a little bit better every week. And, again, like I said earlier, to do that, you gotta, you got to embrace being uncomfortable because growth is uncomfortable. And um, we had 20 athletes on this team, and it sure felt like every single one of them really leaned into that this year. Matt Houck joining us here on Nuwana's Now. He's the head coach of the Montana State Volleyball Team. Well, just take us through the, the last couple wins then. You get to this uh, National Invitational Volleyball Championship Tournament. You're, you're in a relatively familiar place, playing there in Sacramento. You knock off Pacific in a four-set victory, and then you play basically a, a road game at Sac State, yeah. and uh, you get the Big Sky champs and beat them 3-1 to one as well. So uh, you mentioned just sort of the revitalized life that you guys had getting into this thing. It seems like that really played out for you guys. What were the keys? First of all, I think that the first key is the, the response to the loss in the championship match. You know, it, I think for many groups, it would be really easy to allow that, that heartbreak or not getting what you wanted to get to now all of a sudden define, you know, what's going on for you. And I thought instead this group took it and they felt the hurt. And after, you know, they allowed that hurt to sit with them for a couple days I think they were able to take that and be like, man, we've done some really special things and we put ourselves in a position and now we got this really cool opportunity and we're not going to let this slip by us. We're going to regroup and we're going to focus our efforts now on the, the task that's now in front of us. And um, they got themselves prepared. You know, we got into the gym the next Monday and Tuesday and uh, had some had some pretty focused practices. And again, we're, you know, getting ourselves ready for who our opponents were going to be. And we traveled out to SAC and yeah, I felt quite good when we had that practice that morning before the night uh, match against Pacific, man, I, I just, I was looking around. I was like, Hey, these guys are here. They're, they're present. They're with us right now. And I felt quite good about the, I don't know what we were going to display that night. And we did, we came out with great energy and we sustained that energy and, you know, we, we were able to take down a pretty physical, you know, Pacific team that plays in a really good conference. That, that West Coast Conference is a really good volleyball conference. Um, and uh, so I was, yeah, pretty excited about that. And then, yeah, you know, SAC gets the win after us over UNLV. And, uh, yeah, here we are having to face Conference Bowl, who we split with, right? We lost at SAC. We beat them at home this year, but they end up winning, you know, the conference outright by one match over us. And, um, and I didn't know this till after the match, but I guess we had only won three times at SAC in the history of this conference. So, um, the odds were definitely stacked against us in terms of what it had been, but same thing. We, we refocused and we, you know, I thought our, my staff put a really good plan together in terms of, you know, the, the game plan for how we, how we could best defeat them. And then ultimately the players went out and executed the details that they needed to. And same thing, start to finish, <clears throat> excuse me start to finish we put a, a really consistent match together we were able to you know take away some of their strengths but also perform up to what our capabilities were and so it was a pretty clean match by us to come away on the road in four and yeah put ourselves into this uh you know this final eight of the nibc 
Well, the Great Eight begins tonight as you listen to this on this Wednesday here on Nuanas Now. The Montana State Volleyball team, they're at Wyoming in Laramie uh, with a chance to go to the Final Four of this National Invitational Volleyball Championship. So last thing for you, Matt Houck joining us here on Nuanas Now. What, what, are the, uh, what are the keys tonight? How do you hope your team embraces this opportunity? It's interesting. It feels a little full circle. You know, we, we played our exhibition match this year against Wyoming at a neutral site, and uh, we ended up losing that match in five to them. Um, and so it's interesting that we're, we're getting them now in the postseason. And clearly both of us are different teams than we were, you know, in a, in a preseason exhibition match. But um, it's kind of cool. Uh, Wyoming's a very physical team. You know, they're big, they play high, uh, they play pretty fast, and uh, it feels like they're, they're coached quite well. And so we'll, we'll have our hands full. But here's the thing, I, I think we're a very good volleyball team too. So I think we're going to be able to put some pressure on, on them also. But I think we're going to have to be good from the service line. We need to knock them out of system. Uh, we need to limit their, their you know, uh, attack opportunities, you know, down to one or two attackers versus having, you know, all their attackers available in every single rally. And if we can do some of that, I, I trust our block uh, a lot. And we've been quite good in the transition phase of volleyball down the stretch here. And so, you know, if we can put up a formidable block and we can dig some balls, I think the speed we run with in Tran gives teams all kinds of, of uh, troubles. And so... Um, yeah, I, I like our chances if we can play that style of volleyball on the night. He's Matt Houck, the head coach of the Montana State volleyball team. They play Wyoming 6.30 tonight. That's Wednesday night. Uh, live from Laramie. If you go to msubobcats.com and just click through to the volleyball se- volleyball section, you can find uh, a way to stream this match and follow along with the live stats and all that stuff. Coach, thanks so much for joining us, man. Best of luck. And uh, it's pretty cool you guys are still playing, so thanks so much for taking some time. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on and giving us a chance to talk about Montana State Volleyball. And, uh, yeah, I think the future's bright. Matt Houck. They play in Wyoming, in Laramie, at 6.30 tonight. So if you go to msubobcats.com and click on over to the Just Watch section right there on the volleyball schedule, you can check it out. We got a bunch of tickets for you next Friday night, 8 p.m. at the Wilma. T.J. Miller will be in town. We got three pairs, so let's give you one right now. Call number 5406 888-1029. That's 888-1029. We'll talk Grizz Hockey next. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. We did 30-year-old number one hits last week with Delaware and Montana playing for the first time in 30 years. Janet Jackson had a number one hit 30 years ago. And then 20 years ago, that's the anniversary of, I guess it's been a little bit more than 22 years ago. 2001, the last time Furman and Montana played. And that's what's the uh, matchup this week, Friday night in Missoula. Jan Jackson has another number one hit. I think Jan Jackson's pretty cool. It's actually weird what happened after the Super Bowl. I know, I mean, she certainly had a, a long and successful career, but not much since then after the, uh, the wardrobe malfunction, as it were, with Justin Timberlake. Uh, but either way, love, love me some Janet Jackson. We're playing all sorts of 2001 hits. It's Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Appreciate you for joining us. It's a Wednesday, so that means it's a Wing It Wednesday. Text us any and all uh, inquiries about Grizz football and their matchup against Furman. We'll do a whole segment on it next hour. But any inquiries on what you want to know about Grizz football and their um, 
matchup against Furman on Friday night. We'll get you entered in to win some wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Swing it Wednesday, every Wednesday here on Nuanas. Now, a lot of times we're paired it with Grizz Hockey, which is kind of what we're doing right now, but we want you to promote the conversation next hour as well. So we're talking Grizz Hockey here and then Grizz Football on the other side. We're joined now by Grizz Hockey head coach Mike Anderson. Coach, thanks so much for joining us, man. How you doing? I'm well. Thanks for having me. First of all, tell us about last weekend. I know that uh, you wanted to see a a good turning point for your team, and you did, and uh, a couple dominant wins over Eastern Washington. So just take us through it. Yeah, we did what we're supposed to do with a team like that. Um, With our level that we're competing at and with where their program's at, we definitely uh, handled them the way we're supposed to. The score Friday night certainly wasn't what we were hoping for goal-wise. And then, you know, Saturday we saw more go what it should have been uh, both games. But getting two shutouts is always nice. And, and we did it <clears throat> with my power play uh, a couple, uh, Saturday night especially, which was nice to see. It's been a bit of a struggle this year for us. And then just to see, just to, like, see guys actually finish and get rewarded for doing the right things. We haven't always had that uh, this year so far. So it was nice to, to kind of get that release against Eastern for sure. And now you got uh, a rivalry on the docket. So, uh, and it also sort of wraps up the the first part, the first half, I guess, of the the schedule. So, uh, what do you think of this double dip with the Cats? Uh, these are always fun games. You know, going to Bozeman or having them here in Missoula. The game, the crowds are always super active and loud and engaged. And uh, MSU is a really good team, and they're a team that we're hoping to. Uh, to you know, get to, and and we want to be a team that can beat them, and we feel that we can, and we're really excited to see how we perform this weekend. There's so many ramifications from these rivalries when you go across the various different sports, and, and there's some commonalities and also some differences uh, in, in this rivalry within this uh, sport, this uh, competition. What does this rivalry mean, just in terms of the uh, the afterward ramifications down the road it can have? Uh, for for our level, it means a lot for the rankings that go into um, like the, the big difference. I guess would be that like so the ACHA Division Two rankings. Each region has a top you know twenty, and of that top twenty, the top fourteen make regionals. And it's all based off strength of schedule. A couple other things, but strength of schedule is the big one. So when you're playing a team that's number one in the region, like MSU is, it always has big implications on where you end up in the rankings. So that's a big difference, I think, from others. And then I think it's, you know, we're both relatively new programs compared, you know, football's been playing each other for, what, like 90-plus years? 123 now? Yeah, crazy. Right? So 90-plus, right? But it's it's just these longer-standing sports that have been more ingrained in Montana. Uh, Those tend to get, I think, more attention. But I think with hockey – you know, we've been able to to build a really competitive program in our third year that, you know, in reality, we should be getting blown out by MSU every time we play them with where, you know, where we started and, and uh, where they've been since we started. And we've been able to compete with them and, we've you know, we beat them that one time the first year. And I think that a big difference is just, um, you know, the club approach with it and then also... You know, you get a good rivalry games in football, a violent sport, but I think hockey is one of those games where the rivalry is a little more intense than you might see in a basketball or a softball or a volleyball as far as the actual physical play. Um, not to take away anything from other sports, but when you come to an MSU Grizz hockey game, it is that rivalry is played out on the ice. It is intense, it's physical, it's violent, it's, it's everything you want to see out of a sport, and I think the rivalry kicks it up a notch for sure. 
Mike Anderson, Grizz Hockey Coach, joining us here on Nuanas Now. The Grizz Hockey team in Bozeman Friday night, 8-15, puck drop from the Gallatin Ice Rink. And then they're back home for a rematch with Montana State. Puck drop from Missoula on Saturday night is 8.30 p.m. from the Glacier Ice Rink. So um, if you haven't, you should definitely make time to watch these. You can stream the uh, the Friday night game from Bozeman on the ESPN MT app or listen on uh, ESPN Radio here, 102.9 FM, ESPN Missoula. Jeff Safford will be on the call. And uh, same deal with the home game if you can't find tickets because I think they're getting pretty scarce. Uh, you can always tune in on the radio or you can always watch on the app. Uh, as well. What's that dynamic like then getting the, the home and away then? I mean, is it an advantage or a disadvantage to get the away part out first? What do you think of just sort of the, the schedule here with going to Bozeman Friday and then coming back uh, home on Saturday? Uh, it's, how, it's how we've always done it. With, in college hockey, it's pretty normal with, you know, regional teams that are close enough to each other. This is kind of how they do it. Um, so I don't know if there's an advantage either way. I think I think when you do it, either side's going to be a little bit tired from it because, you know, if like us, we're traveling and then we're having to come back and then play the next night, but for them, they have to, you know, get up earlier the next day and get on a bus. And so either way, there's some disadvantages to it and advantages to it, but I think it's a really unique thing that makes it a lot more fun actually that both teams get to host a home game for it on the same weekend and you, you get those you get to see those differences as the coaches and players of each rink and kinda what each fan base brings to the table and and each team gets a chance to have that home ice advantage. So I, I think it's a really unique thing that's pretty cool and, and uh either way we're just excited to, to play them again and, and see what we can do. Grizaki, double dip this weekend, 8.15 on Friday night from Bozeman. Check out the ESPN MT app or listen on ESPN Radio. And 8.30 on Saturday night from the Glacier Ice Rink. You can also find it on the radio and on the app or live and in person here in the Garden City. Mike, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. And uh, best of luck this week. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Colter. We'll see you, man. Keep those texts coming in. What do you want us to talk about in the next hour? We have an ESPN roundtable, all Grizz football style. I teased that Justin Roper would be joining us, but sounds like that's not going to work out today, but that's fine. Uh, I'm going to get him, I think, tomorrow morning, so we'll play that for you sometime on the show. The tie that binds here, a lot of people remember him as a tall, spindly quarterback for the Grizz. Had some uh, good performances, certainly at Montana. He was here a couple years in the late 2000s. And uh, he came in 2009, split some time with Andrew Sell, and then the same thing in 2010 when the, the Grizz went through a coaching change. Roper now, though, is the offensive coordinator at Furman, so he will come back to his alma mater for the first time in a long time. And uh, probably one of the few guys from the Paladins that will be here. So we'll hear from him sometime this week. Uh, we also have head coach Furman joining us, as well as uh, Tyler Huff, the uh, senior quarterback for Furman. So we'll have plenty of Furman interviews for you. Tomorrow and on Friday, but no Justin Roper today. So we'll pivot like we always do. I want to give you a little lesson on Furman as an institution as well as uh, the history lesson of the football program. We'll also hear from John Edwards. It's our Grizz Greats excerpt. Uh, He was the quarterback, of course, of the 2001 Grizz that beat Furman in the national championship. And uh, we'll keep on answering your questions. If you want to be entered in for tickets to TJ Miller next Friday night at the Wilma or... Wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill or Grizz football tickets. We got all of them for you. Keep those questions coming. We'll be right back. Hour number two. 
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.